Merkel Media. Hey, everybody, before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you that I was the narrator on the new documentary called Who Saw the Men in Black, available on Amazon and other playing platforms. The links are available in the description below of this episode. Please go ahead and purchase your copy and leave a happy five-star rating review to help me get future narrating gigs. Thank you very much in advance, and you guys are awesome. Let's get to this week's show. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. Three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg and I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach you that way as well. Either way it works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, we offer bonus shows for members only on the website and the app. So if you want to have access to all the content the Confessionals comes out with on a weekly basis, you want to be a member. So head on over to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, become a member, and get access to all the extra goodies we offer. Also, friends, we have preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. We've talked about it for quite some time now, and I just want to let you know, even though it's the holiday season and I know everybody's buying gifts. Maybe the best thing you can buy is a gift for yourself or maybe your family is some preparation food to make sure that they're good to go. You're good to go in any kind of emergency that comes your way. So if you are interested in building up your storage supplies and your survival gear, you're going to want to head to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Also, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are so close to breaking 20,000 subscribers on YouTube, building that channel. I'm still uploading the archive. I have over 100 episodes I still need to upload that we've put out over the years. So please head on over to YouTube and hit subscribe on the Confessionals YouTube channel because that's where we're going to be dropping our very first documentary with the Kentucky Dog Man. It is winding down in production and we are hoping to release it before the year is over, friends. So hang in there, but make sure you don't miss it by heading to the Confessionals on YouTube. Hit subscribe, hit the alarm bell button so you're notified when I post something on that channel. Thank you very much. And before we get into this week's show, I just want to give you a little bit of a teaser, 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 teaser. About a week, a little bit more than a week ago, I did an interview that I think might have changed the way I view the world. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, but it is a huge groundbreaking story that I'm telling you, friends, it's so big and so deep and has so many different angles to go down and paths to go down. I've already talked to several people connected to this story. It keeps getting deeper every time I talk to somebody else. It's so big that I'm probably going to wind up releasing it as its own new podcast where I just do a limited series of my investigation into this story. It's that big. It, it's going to blow your mind like it's blowing my mind every day I think about it. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. This is a huge, huge story that 
I just don't think I can put on the confessionals and break it up into episodes and mixed in with other episodes. And it's hard to follow. And if you want to share it with somebody, they're like, well, where's the rest of the stuff? Because there's all this other stuff. I'm just going to make it its own podcast where it's its own individual stream. And it's a limited time series. So it'll be only a set amount of episodes more than likely unless new developments come down the road. But friends, I'm telling you right now, when I drop this new podcast, you're definitely going to want to listen to it and blow your minds. It's it's huge. I mean, I, why would I ever start a new podcast unless it's that big? Like it's 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 seriously huge. All <laughs> right. So I'm putting that bug in your ear. It probably won't drop for another year or something. But when it drops, trust me, you're going to want to check it out. <laughs> um, friends, listen, we have Robbie Vegas coming on the show today. Robbie Vegas is a professional wrestler who has seen Sasquatch and he had witnesses. And we also talk about paranormal experiences, including some Ouija board stuff. This was a fun, good, awesome conversation with Robbie Vegas. So let's get to it right now. All right, today we got Robbie Vegas on the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Listen, the reason why I said that, well, you know why I said it that way. Robbie Vegas, because uh, you're a professional wrestler. I am. I am for uh, the better part of a decade now. And yeah, and a rock musician, acoustic musician, and a podcast host. Man of many, many talents. I Renaissance like man. Yeah, man. <laughs> So uh, let me ask you, because, uh, you know, I saved the good conversation for when we're recording because I wanted to ask you earlier, but I was like, ah, let's just wait. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you get involved in wrestling professionally? I mean, were you a wrestler in high school and just was a natural transition or were you like in a, in a bar bouncing somewhere and you were like half drunk and somebody's like, you'd be a good wrestler? <laughs> so neither of those, actually. Um, I was a lifelong wrestling fan from probably my earliest memories are of professional wrestling. And, um, I, you know, I never knew how guys got to the WWE or, or any of these other companies, uh, that were around at the time and are still around now. And I was actually in the gym and a guy came up to me and I had just recently discovered that there was like an underground kind of wrestling scene, the independent wrestling scene. And I had gone to a few shows and he came up to me and said, you know, for a guy, your size, you're pushing an awful lot of weight. Did you ever think about becoming a professional wrestler? And I was like, every day. And he was like, seriously? And I'm like, absolutely. So he took me to a school. I did a couple classes, um, ended up finding a better school where I went to for a year. And I trained there like three, four days a week for like four or five hours a session. And uh, after that, the rest was history. They, The promoter came to me and said, I think you're ready to be on shows. And I just kind of hit the ground running. Wow. That's cool, man. That's really cool. So it kind of just happened organically for you. Yeah, it was something that I always dreamed about doing and just didn't know how. I didn't know that there was a such thing as like just wrestling training schools around the country or, you know, I just assumed that you had to be a high school wrestler who went through college and then somebody saw you and was like, hey, you want to, you know, do this? And I never took that avenue. So I was like, well, game's over for me. And then it ended up happening anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Kane back in the day. I know he's retired now. Uh, I think that's his name, right? Kane. It was uh, the Undertaker's brother for the oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I think he was a college basketball player, and he was looking at playing overseas, and uh, or maybe it was the Undertaker. It might have been the Undertaker, one of those two guys, and and they and they were looking at playing basketball overseas, and they kind of stumbled into professional wrestling, and you know made a career out of it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to me how many guys got into professional wrestling who became some of the biggest stars in the world who didn't even think anything about becoming a wrestler before they actually did. And that's mind blowing to me. Like I hear guys do interviews that were like, I was never a fan. And then I was at this one place and somebody said, you look great. And now here I am. And I'm like, whoa. It's crazy. It's freaking crazy. But hey, you know what? That's how I feel about pod podcasting too. You know, it's something that never thought I'd be doing this. Uh, it was never part of the plans, you know, but here I am podcasting crazy. And you have a great show and I'm a huge fan of your show. I appreciate it, man. I, I always wonder who's listening, right? So, uh, to be honest with you, a professional wrestler has never crossed my mind. So I'm such an NBA nerd that like, <laughs> I, I always wonder, is there 
it, out of the 450 some players that are in the NBA, has one of them ever stumbled across my show and liked it? Hopefully, they didn't leave me a bad review on iTunes, you know? Because <laughs> I, I think I talked bad about LeBron a couple of times in the history of the show, and I've invited Kyrie on my show just by saying it, <laughs> you know? So, like, you know, but uh, yeah, man, it's just you never know. You never know. I, I know there's uh, some people who've been on TV and have had TV shows and things like that that followed the show and they're big fans of it. I'm just like, that's crazy to me because here I am just stupid Tony with a podcast. And I know everybody calm down. Whenever I say I'm just a dumb Tony truck driver kind of podcasting guy, everybody's like, you're not dumb. You got to stop doing that. I know. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you just, you, Robbie, you know yourself more than anybody else. And the same thing with me. And it's just like, when I look at myself, when I'm introspective, I'm like, there's nothing special about me. What the heck? Why, why, <laughs> why is this happened for me? But you know, it's, it's a blessing and I absolutely love it every second of it. Yeah. And it's, it's a very humble quality to have. And I find myself doing the same thing you're doing, whether somebody buys one of my t-shirts or, you know, pays money to come see me do what I do. It's always mind blowing to me that they want to, you know, meet me or talk to me or listen to my show or, you know, wear my merchandise. It still blows my mind every time because who the hell am I, you know? Yeah, just Robbie, and I'm just, just Robbie. Yep. So uh, let's get to the uh, musician aspect of things. You didn't tell me what kind of music and stuff, but I'm judging by uh, your your career path and your hobby of horror movies. I'm thinking you have some kind of like metal band, right? <laughs> so I actually have been in a lot of metal bands and hard rock bands. And um, I do have stuff out on iTunes and Spotify and all that. It's just under Robbie Vegas. But um, I have a totally different avenue at the same time, because as much as I love my hard rock and my metal, and I have that stuff out for people, I also do a lot of acoustic solo shows where it's just me and my acoustic guitar doing my own thing. And, uh, you know, I'll play for two, three hours just by myself sometimes. But I've been in the music scene since I was 13 years old. I, I played my very first gig with a full band at 13, and I've been playing ever since. And that was uh, 20 years ago. So uh, I guess I'm doing okay because <laughs> I'm still going and I made a lot of cool friends and got to open up for some bands that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, when the bigger acts come through my area of town, I play on the side stages for bands like Kiss and Motley Crue and Alice Cooper and stuff like that. So, Dang. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh, trying to picture you doing a, a show by yourself with your guitar singing some kind of lullaby or something nice and soft and gentle, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Some John Mayer. Some John yeah. Mayer. So. <laughs> I, I could do some John Mayer if I was, uh, I guess, if I really had to, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Let's, last thing I want to promote with you before we get into your story, and that's your podcast. You mentioned it. What's the podcast called, and what do you guys talk about? So it's the All Bets Are Off podcast with Robbie Vegas, and it is on every single podcast app you can think of, much like yourself. And um, we interview horror actors, we interview professional wrestlers, we interview rock stars. And, um, you know, when we're not doing interviews, we're doing album breakdowns and movie reviews. We do rankings, we do lists, um, and we just kind of stick to those three topics because that is, um, you know, my interest. That's my life. I'm a huge horror movie nerd and uh, I go to horror conventions and I listen to the confessionals when I'm on my way. And, um, I, you know, I just stick with those things cause that's my wheelhouse. And I have a lot of knowledge on, uh, what I tell people is a lot of knowledge on useless information, but uh, a lot of people think that it's cool that I know so much about those topics. So I started the podcast. That's cool, man. Yeah. I, you know, I was just talking to this guy, Kyle on messenger before I was talking to you. In fact, I mentioned that to you earlier. And, uh, one of the things I was telling him is that, cause he was talking about wanting to start a podcast and I just, uh, I, he was asking for pointers and one of the things I said to him was, uh, just be yourself, you know, like, cause people, people can smell a faker a mile away, you know? Oh yeah. And it, there's a difference between trying to learn who you are behind a microphone and not being yourself. So like everybody has a learning curve because you get this, I, I've seen it a million times. I mean, like the, my, my uncle, for instance, I had him in studio with me and my dad, not the one for this show, but for Hammer Lane Legends, my other podcast, me and my dad had my other uncle uh, in studio. And he's a character. He's he's awesome. Like he like funny, you know, says crazy stuff. And that's what the show is about. And uh, 
And when, he, when you put the microphone in front of his face, he like froze. And it was, I was like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> like, you know, and so there's, there's a learning curve to trying to learn who you're going to be behind the microphone, because there is a certain level of uh, theater to it in the sense where you, you just can't, like, I can't come on and hit record and talk to the the world the way I would uh, just kind of like mumble to somebody across the table in my living room or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you have mm-hmm. to kind of project your voice and, and kind of really give it more inflection and stuff like that. But uh, that aside, you're trying to learn, you know, who you are hearing yourself talk like this. And so uh, there is a learning curve with that, but I don't, I don't identify that as a faker. It's just somebody who's trying to learn what it, what, what, what podcasting them is. But if you, if you're going to come on a microphone and try to portray to be something you're not, that people sniff out a mile away, a mile oh, yeah. away. Hundred percent, and and it's funny too because when I first started the podcast, I was like, "Am you know being in the professional wrestling business? I'm like, am I my character right now? And is that what I'm doing? And that was like my my only feeling out process was maybe I am, but I'll turn it down just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that's a, and that's a great example because how many times do you see? For instance, I know I saw the Undertaker. Uh, do like a three hour interview with Joe Rogan, maybe, I don't know, a year ago or whatever it's been now. And when he was on with Joe Rogan, he was just his normal person. You know, he wasn't the character. And it was actually a little weird hearing him just talk like a normal human being and not rolling his eyes into the back of his head, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. And it's funny too with him because he, for 30 years, wouldn't do interviews like that. So now that he's retired and he's doing them, it's strange for everyone because The Undertaker was always just The Undertaker. He wasn't Mark Calloway. And it was it's so weird now hearing him do interviews because he never broke that character until now. It, and that's what it, he, that I remember hearing him. I remember hearing him say that during the interview, and I thought, man, that must have been hard. I mean, living the, the majority of your life in a character every time you step outside your house that that takes a lot of energy and dedication, you know. Oh yeah, that's a lot of mental toughness there too. <laughs> big time, big time. So all right, we talked about wrestling. We talked about everything under the sun. In the first 10 minutes, let's get into the business here. Uh, we're going to start off with Sasquatch stuff. Now, uh, I'm going to let you kind of take this whole story away because I know there was you and other people involved here, but uh, where, when, why, what were you doing that you saw what you saw? So this was actually um, a few years ago. I, I want to say two to two and a half years ago. And of course, we're going to bring it back to pro wrestling because I was on a pro wrestling trip and I was wrestling in Barrie, Vermont. And uh, I'd never been there before. It was my first time wrestling there. It's my first time in the state, period. It was it was a long drive for us. It was me and two other guys. And um, one of the guys brought, had brought his girlfriend at the time. So we're driving and we get into Vermont and we're, we're starting to get close to the venue. And all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, this this all looks super familiar. And the the friend of mine who was driving was like, well, have you been here before? And I was like, no, but everything looks so familiar. I was having like real deja vu. And uh, as we're going, I start seeing signs for Sasquatch Festival and I see souvenir shops and I see a big Sasquatch statue. And I'm like, that's why I know this place, because I'm huge into Sasquatch and Bigfoot and cryptids. I saw this place on a documentary somewhere. And so now I'm excited and I'm like, well, we got to stop somewhere on the way back because I want to take a picture with this statue or at least get a picture of this statue. So we're driving to the show. It's still light out. And we hit this area that we started calling the dead zone because there was no houses. It was just all woods and the radios went out. Our phones lost reception and we had absolutely like nobody around, no street lights, nothing for about a half hour of this drive. And these guys, to call them out, are afraid of everything. So they're freaking out already. And I'm teasing them. And I'm like, this is it. This is where everybody sees Sasquatch. So we go to the show. We each have our matches. And we're going to come home that same night and just alternate sleeping. It was a long drive for us. And we had another show in the morning, way on the other side of the, well, state's over, we'll just say. And I'm like, all right, so let's just head out. We'll alternate sleeping. And we'll get going right now. Show ends. We hit the road. 
soon as we hit the dead zone, I start messing with these guys because they're freaking out and it's pitch black, not a house, not a streetlight. I mean, absolutely insane how dark it is. And we're covered in trees. So it's even darker. I pull out my cell phone and I'm shining it in the woods with the flashlight and I'm going, this is it guys. This is where we see Sasquatch. He turns the brights on just because I was freaking him out so bad. And we see this giant creature standing next to this boulder on the side of the road. And I know we all saw it at the same time because I literally dropped my phone and he sat up and said, what the, and the guy that was riding in the back, thankfully his girlfriend was sleeping, but he sat up in between both of us and his eyes were wide and he was just staring. And this thing, I don't know how to judge how tall it was, but it had to be eight or nine feet tall. It was gray and it was real shaggy looking. And the boulder that it was standing next to was only up to like its waist. And as we, you know, came up closer to it, it just took like one giant step into the woods and it was gone. And we froze and I didn't even pick my phone up. We were just sitting there driving in silence. And finally, when we got out of that dead zone and like the radio clicked back on and we realized we were safe, he looked over at me and was like, what did you see? And we all started to like say the experience to make sure we all noticed the same thing. And then of course it became, you caused this with your stupid cell phone and whatever. But uh, it was just like the craziest thing. And we really were scared because there was, if anything were to happen out there, we had nothing. We had no radio, we had no lights, we had no phones. So it was kind of like, stay silent and finish this leg of the drive. And then we'll discuss it after because I don't want to be any more scared than I am right now in an area like this. Yeah, I can understand the fear that goes through you when you see something bad. I've never seen it. Uh, I, I mean, there was a period of my t- of, of, of my life here when I started having kids where I didn't want to see it. I was just like, I, I don't want anything to do with these things now because I got the kids. I don't want to die, all that stuff. And now I'm back in this mode of, all right, I got the kids. I love them. They know I love them. Uh, let me see this thing, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I got to say it was in hindsight, it's, it's a really cool story to have and to tell because a lot of people don't have that. And I'm not like terrified anymore, but in the moment when you realize that like, Hey guys, if this thing wanted to, and it plowed into this car, we're screwed because we are literally in an area where we can't even call for help. Did you, I'm assuming you never really got an aggressive vibe from it other than just the idea of that thing's huge and I don't want to be near it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was tall and it was wide. Like you can tell this thing was like thick. I I would almost consider it to be muscular. And like I said, when we saw it, he had the brights on and we were getting closer to it before it stepped away. And the whole thing probably only took about five to seven seconds, but it felt like forever. Yeah. Well, I... It's something that you're going to be able to tell the story for the rest of your life and, uh, you know, remember, obviously. Now, the guys that you were with, do they ever talk about this at all anymore? Or is it more like we just don't talk about it? They'll talk about it with me, but I don't know that they tell the story because I actually had one of them come on my podcast because I wanted to tell the story and I wanted somebody with me who could vouch for me. So I had him come on and, and you know, say, yes, this is this happened. We were in the car leaving a wrestling show. I believe the company was uh, Atlantic Championship Wrestling, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, and it was just a mind blowing thing, especially for somebody like me, who's been into it my whole life. Like if I'm flipping through channels and I catch wind of anything, Sasquatch or Bigfoot, I'm stopping. I need to see this. And if I, you know, hear it on a podcast, I'm listening. I I have to hear this story. So to actually have my own experience when I'm such like a big believer was mind blowing to me. And I did make them stop and take a picture of the statue also. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Now, before this experience or maybe even after, did you ever get into this idea of going out in the woods looking for these things? I have, but I never really knew where to start. So there's an area not far from me um, called, uh, well, it's, it's up in the Lewiston area of New York. So it's like Lewiston, Niagara. There's a gorge called Devil's Hole. And apparently there's been sightings there, which I didn't know. And I actually did come across a footprint one time and totally thought nothing of it because I just figured it was somebody playing games. 
So like I saw it and I stopped and was kind of like, oh my God, like, cause I'm a big hiker. I love hiking. And I've always wondered if I would come across anything like that. And then I was like, there's no way, there's no way. So then I got home and I did some research and I found out that there actually are sightings down there. So I might've actually seen the real deal. All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor for today's show, which is HelloFresh. HelloFresh is one of the best companies you can be involved with in the holiday season because holidays are hectic and crazy. And sometimes you just need a break from the meal planning and meal prep. And that's where HelloFresh comes in because they are America's number one meal kit company. HelloFresh gets you pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store, especially in this holiday season where everybody's there waiting in lines and you find out it's not even there anyways. Head on over to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14 and use code Confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Not only are you getting 14 free meals, but you're also getting three free gifts when you go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14 and use that code Confessionals14. It's the holiday season, friends. Whoop-dee-doo. Make sure you and your family are good to go with some food that tastes delicious and you don't got to spend a lot of time meal prepping. Let's go. HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14. So you're in what, upstate New York? Yes. Yeah. I'm in uh, Western New York, Buffalo, and uh, spend a lot of time between here and Rochester. Um, Like Rochester's like my second home. So I do a lot of hiking in between. Gotcha. Yeah. I I was in Potter County, Pennsylvania, uh, close to the New York border a few weeks ago on vacation. And uh, from what I understand, it's not too far from Buffalo, but man, is that area remote. And I know just across the border and further to the west is uh, the Chautauqua. Uh, I think it's Chautauqua State Forest or something like that. And, yes. Yeah, and so I did. A, I, I did a speaking engagement there years ago, and uh, I know how remote it is there. And when I was out there, I was just thinking, my lord, there. I can truly, truly, truly understand because I wasn't driving through like I any other time. I stayed there for a week. I'm out there. And I was just like, this is crazy remote. And I could totally see how these things could just exist out here. And I'm not kidding you. Me and my wife and my kids went to two different places, like just a touristy kind of place, you know, like the one was a place that has, um, they call it the ice mine. And it's because it grows ice, <clears throat> excuse me, it grows ice during the summertime and the ice melts during the wintertime. It's really weird. And, um, and we went there and then we went to another place where you could feed like deer and stuff and uh, do the gem mining thing and kid stuff. And yeah. <laughs> bo- both places that I went to was promoting Bigfoot. The one place had a, had a t-shirt with a Bigfoot on it and said Bigfoot in Potter County. And then the other place, the lady was wearing a Bigfoot t-shirt. And I was like, Bigfoot's just like ingrained into the culture out here. It's it is absolutely amazing. Uh, do you notice that at all where you're at plus the area that you saw this thing? Is it like just uh, something that's part of the culture? Not so much where I'm at, but definitely in Vermont. They There was a sign. Um, I, I can't even remember when it was now, but it had they were getting ready for a Bigfoot festival that the, that the town was about to have. And a lot of little stops and the, the gas stations and the little shops that we were driving past had like Bigfoot memorabilia in the windows and, you know, souvenirs and things like that. So they really embraced it. And like I said, right in the middle of this town was a statue of Bigfoot. And I'll, I'll have to send it to you when we uh, when we get done here so you could see it, because I did take a picture of it. Unfortunately, it was at night, but um it's they really embrace it and they don't seem to be afraid of it if they're having festivals, you know? Yeah. A lot of these places they're not. And, uh, I, the one lady I didn't talk to about it, uh, probably got distracted with the kids or something, but the, the first lady I, I, I saw, I talked to her about it and stuff. And she said, yeah, we have sightings out here. And she was just talking like matter of fact. I mean, she's, she wasn't, you know, an enthusiast, you know, at, like, you know, the people that would maybe be on this show or myself, uh, she was just, Yep, they're here. 
Like it's like it's just another, <laughs> just like you know. Oh yeah, like every once in a while you see a bald eagle, and you know, right next to it sometimes is a Bigfoot. You know, it's whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, you know, I read a lot of people's stories in like Bigfoot books that I read, and a lot of them who have like consistent experiences seem to have that mindset where they're just like, yeah, we leave a sack of potatoes out on the back porch, and they come and get it, and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not feeding. Bigfoot, like I feed ducks, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not happening. All right. So that was your Bigfoot encounter. And you have, uh, like you said, you're, you've always been interested in these kind of things. And obviously the Ouija board is something that you've messed around with and stuff. So uh, what are some of these experiences you've had with the Ouija board that, you know, you want to bring to the table? Well, before I tell the story, I have to say this. Don't ever play with a Ouija board. I, I used to do it all the time. And I don't want to do it ever again. And I never will. And like now when I come in contact with them, I'm like, nope, not for me. I, it honestly started just kind of as a hope because I'm like, you just said, I'm, I'm into the paranormal. So for me, I was like, oh, this will be great. And it's like a way to like prove that this exists. And I'm like very open to it. So it seems to find me. Like I've, I remember having like seeing things as a kid and being like, was that a ghost? And then like trying to talk myself out of it. So when the opportunity came to do the Ouija board, I was like, cool, let's do it at my house. Because at the time when I was living with my mom, um, she had activity in the house anyways, and we all knew it. So it was like, let's do it here because if we're going to get anything, it's going to be here. And this went on for months. And um, my good friend of mine, Dan, who I used to play you know, music with, and I'm still in contact with to this day, um, who moved to Salem actually, um, he, he used to come over all the time because he was really into it as well. And we started getting like the same spirits over and over again. And they would give us the same names over and over again. And come to find out, like the board was spelling out like complete sentences to us. And it was like letting us know that we opened up a portal and that there were angels and demons and all of these things it was telling us. And as kids at first, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But, and when I say kids, I mean like, we were between like 19 and 21. So it's not like we were like little, little kids. We were old enough to know what was going on. And uh, one night while we were playing with it, um, the basement had one section of the basement that was just for like laundry and storage and another section that was, you know, finished couches, TV, chairs. And we used to do the Ouija board in the finished part. And from the other side of the wall behind the door, we started hearing moaning sounds and they were loud. And there was no disputing it at that point because it was so loud that we couldn't even be like, it's coming from outside or, you know, somebody's messing with us. It was dead set behind the door. And then the door started to move. And that's when we realized we were really like, probably shouldn't be doing this, but also kind of becoming obsessed with it because we were getting a response. And I remember after a few days of doing it, um, it would be pitch black down there. And we just have a couple candles around the board, just enough to see the board. And uh, I remember looking over and we had a computer, a desktop on the other side of the room from where we were sitting. And I said, something's over there. And Dan looked over and this big black mass seemed to walk through the wall from the other side of the room and into the room that we were in and just kind of stand there. And then the computer turned on. And that right there, like, I just got goosebumps as I was telling you the story. I haven't, you know, I, I can't even like put into words how like afraid I was in that moment because I was like, I can see how dark this thing is. And I always was told if it's dark, it's bad. So in my head, I was like, oh my God, what are we supposed to do? It could, it can turn on this computer. So what else can it do? Is it going to throw something? And, um, you know, that was one of the nights that we were like, put this thing away and let's get out of here. But um, that night, I remember going to bed and I, I was two floors up. It was a two story house with the finished basement. So I went up the two floors, went to my room, closed the door. I started walking away from the door. The door pops open and I ran back and shut it. And I remember thinking, if something's standing on the other side of this door, I don't want to see it. So I let the door go. And I backed up, still facing the door, it started to open again, like popped open forcefully, like you could hear it pop. So I closed it again and I pulled my hand just slightly away. It popped open and hit my hand. So I slammed it shut the palm of my hand as hard as I could. And it finally 
stayed after that. And it was like that final like push of me being like, absolutely not. It finally stopped. And then we would hear like in the middle of the night, somebody walking up the stairs, even though everybody was sleeping, somebody going back down the stairs, we would hear light switches going up and down in the basement. And it just became too much. And we would see like tiny little like specks of light zooming around while we were doing the, uh, the Ouija board. And it just became too much for us. And we didn't, it, this went on for like four or five months before we were like, we don't want to do this anymore. And I actually got rid of the board. I was like, I don't even want it in the house. We, we have to get rid of it. So fast forward about eight or nine years, my sister's best friend goes to a psychic. And the psychic says, I need to talk to your friend. She has an attachment that came from a Ouija board. And they traced it back to when me and my friends were doing the Ouija board in the basement, like eight or nine years before. And we remembered a night where my sister was sleeping and said she woke up with a scratch on her back and had a dream about being in a cemetery and she couldn't get out. Well, it turns out she got an attachment that stayed with her. And the psychic who, mind you, my sister did not go to the psychic. Her friend did. And the psychic asked to see her through her friend because she picked up on this, told my sister, if you've never seen the movie Insidious, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Insidious, that's about to happen to you if we don't take care of this. So my sister had to go home and say, you know, certain prayers and put holy water on all of her mirrors and do everything that the psychic was telling her to do to remove this attachment before something bad was going to happen. And the woman did tell her, like, this is going to be tough and it's going to fight you. And your mother's house has a lot of angels and demons in it. And there was a portal. And the guy that attached himself to you used to be in your closet when you were a kid. And we found out years and years later, because of the Ouija board, we actually caused an attachment. Wow. Did you feel guilty or what? I did, but I think my friend Dan did more because as I was kind of like, I don't know, man, like this is getting a little intense. He was kind of like, this is too good. Like there's good ones here too, though. We got to keep it going. We got to see what we can find out. And then, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not all bad, but it, you know, also I was the one living there. <laughs> so like when stuff would happen, he'd be gone. And, you know, I'd tell him the next day and, and, um, but he was telling me the other day when he came to visit from Salem that, um, he thought it was so weird that I was just so chill about it. And I was like, well, that's cause I just grew up there. So like, you know, some of the stuff that he was like, really? I was like, yeah, it happens all the time because you just kind of get used to it. Like eventually the moans and the groans that we would hear were just that, like I would hear him and be like, here we go. And just kind of like blow it off. Whereas like other people who might be over would go, what the, what the hell was that? And I'd be like, ah, there's a ghost in the other room. And they'd be like, no, seriously. I'd be like, yeah, he's in the other room. And so, yeah, when we found out that that happened to my sister, I told him right away. And he was like, oh my God, like maybe we shouldn't have been doing that. I'm like, I never want to see another one of those things ever again. Yeah, I, I get it, man. And 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 you saying that it is a very common story on this show. I mean, I, I've never touched a Ouija board because my mom, since I don't know, since I was like day one, I don't like, she's always <laughs> warned me not to touch Ouija boards. I mean, I was like, I, like I would run out of a, a toy aisle in the, in the store. If I saw one, I was like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> I, was, I was terrified of them ever since I was a kid. So I, I just never messed with them. But uh, a lot of people have messed with them. And I, I think probably at least 95% of the people that have been on the show that have talked about it say, don't touch it, let it alone, you know. And so uh, you're just part of that category of people who's like, yep, yeah, been there, done that. And uh, just here to tell you, don't mess with it. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you know, what's funny too, is the weird part is that we don't even know where the Ouija board came from. Um, a friend of ours mother, I think was cleaning out an attic and was like, Hey, I found this in the attic. I don't know where it came from. And I was like, I'll take it, which was like the weirdest thing I could have possibly done at the time. But again, being a kid, I'm like, this is fine. Milton Bradley makes these things. And she was like, I don't think this one, this one's really old looking. And it really was, it was real. It was not like you see now. So I don't know where it came from, but I do know that, you know, I, I gave it away to somebody and I don't know whatever happened to it after that. Maybe the Ouija board itself had attachments or maybe the Ouija board itself was the portal. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree to that because the one, we did get it out of the house. I did start hearing and seeing a lot less, but I do, you know, there was always activity prior to that. So like it was kind of reduced back to that same old, 
you know, what it was before, like our attic door used to pop open on its own. And, you know, we'd, I'd see, like, I used to always tell people, I see a little girl walking in the upstairs hallway sometimes. And um, a friend of mine who came to live with us uh, for a little while, he went up there one day, didn't know that I had seen that. And I was two floors down in the basement and he came running down the stairs and I was like, are you okay? And he was like, I was just in your upstairs hallway. And I was like, and you saw a little girl and he was like, so she's real. And he like kind of freaked out. And I was like, yeah, man. And then as we were hanging out, we were writing some music. Actually, he was in my band and um, we heard the upstairs stairs, like somebody running down them and a little girl laughing. And at the time I had a sister who was, you know, young enough to where that wouldn't be weird, except then all of a sudden the side door opened and my mom and both my sisters walked in and nobody was home. And we just kind of looked at each other like, we heard that, right? It, it was just, it's crazy. Okay, for our last sponsor today, we are talking about Story Worth. It's the holiday season, and you are somebody, I guarantee that you have no idea what to get your relatives, mom and dad. They have everything. What am I going to get them? Oh, I'll probably just get them an Amazon gift card. What is that? It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say about how much you love them. There's no emotion behind it. It's just a gift card. Well, friends, StoryWorth can change all that for you because StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you and those who matter most. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relatives or friends a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or, if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? These are questions that you don't think about, but it'd be really cool to hear from a loved one what they think and how they would respond to such a question. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved one's stories, including photos into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to StoryWorth.com confessionals and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com confessionals to save $10 on your first purchase. Now, you mentioned the movie Insidious. Now, I I have never seen the movie Insidious. So when the psychic said that your sister was about to experience what happened in that movie, she didn't take care of things. What does that mean? Because I, I don't know. It's basically a form of possession. So in the Insidious movie, the person's mind kind of gets taken over by the, the spirit that attached itself to this family or this person. And um, so she asked my sister questions like, you know, have you noticed that you're getting more aggravated easier? Are you agitated? Are you feeling annoyed? Is something always bothering you? And she said, because that's him. He's very angry. So if you're feeling that, you're feeling his feelings and we need to remove the attachment. And as of now, the attachment is removed. And, um, you know, she did have to battle a little bit with it, but she went back a few times to the psychic and finally she, you know, told her you're, you're good. He's gone. And she said she could tell. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that she's, uh, all cleared out and stuff there. Um, yeah, I, I don't watch a whole lot of movies, so I'm glad you filled me <laughs> in on that. Uh, but you mentioned about this shadow that came through the wall mm -hmm. and turned on the computer. Yes. Where did the shadow go though? Like it turns on the computer. Mm -hmm. At that point, did it disappear? Did it go back through the wall? So not right away. So it was pretty big, like tall wise, you know what I mean? And um, so it came through the wall and the computer lit up and the, the monitor came on. And as it was lighting up, we could still see the figure standing there. And then as the screen got to like its brightest, quote unquote, um, it kind of just like disappeared into the air. It didn't walk away. It didn't go up. It didn't go down. It just kind of like faded into nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I mean, uh, I, I, that's what I kind of figured it would do. Uh, but do you think that by turning on the computer, it had some kind of physical aspect to it? Or do you, do you think that it was similar to the idea of... Um, when things are in a room, they suck energy out of batteries. And so it was able to turn on the computer that way. 
Or do you think it was able to push the button kind of thing? No, I think now in hindsight, I think it was the second thing you said. I think it was because it was an electronic device and it was able to kind of manipulate it without physically touching it. But at the same time, the door that led to the other room of the basement did move and like open and close on us a few times when we were playing with the Ouija board. So that's not an electronic device, which made me, you know, think, well, this thing's got, it's feeding off the energy from something if it can move a door. But the computer, I think, was just the electronic portion. I got you. And you you just mentioned about the door moving and stuff. Now, you also mentioned about how you heard the moaning. Uh, when you said moaning, when in my head, I hear almost like a zombie type moan. Uh, was it was it something like that? Or was it more of like a, I, I don't know. I mean, could what did it sound evil, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or more of like a dead person zombie type sound? It's funny that you say zombie because that's what we compared it to was it sounded like something you would see in a zombie movie or hear or not see. But um, it was it was deep, like it wasn't like a, a high pitch. You couldn't tell if it was like, you know, man, woman, young, old. It was like this deep, like almost like a gurgle. But it was very like it sounded like it was coming from a physical person who was just trying to scare you at like a haunted house. And that night that it was happening and it happened like multiple nights, but one night specifically was happening like a lot. And, um, I remember my, my buddy, Dan was like, I don't understand what's happening. It just, it's not stopping. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. So we just left. So we came back at like one or two in the morning. And I remember looking up and he, he, at the same time, he said, what's that room right there in in that peak of your house? And I said, that's the attic. And he was like, the light's on. And I was like, yeah. And it wasn't on when we left and nobody's been up there for a few days. So it was just like a night where the activity was real high, I guess. And it went from the basement to the attic, apparently. Man, how do you stay in that house after that? I had to walk past the attic to get to my room. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it was weird though, because there were... um, there were times when it was like really freaky and hard to fall asleep. And um, my one buddy that ended up moving in with us, he slept in the basement. So I remember one night coming down the next morning and he was like, somebody came out of that back room and stood over me. And I was like, what? And the only light switches were at the top of the stairs, which were by the door that led into the other room where all the activity was. And he was like, I didn't know what to do. So I just laid here and waited for the sun to come up. He just stayed awake the whole night. Yeah, he laid there and just waited and it didn't really disappear or fade away even into the early morning. Like the sun started to rise and he could still see it clear as day. Jeez, jeez. Did he move out? Eventually, yeah. He he stayed with us for, I think, just that summer and maybe maybe leading into the fall. But he said he used to see stuff and hear stuff to the point where he found himself trying to make himself more comfortable by like if he saw somebody walk out of that room, he would be like, what's up? And just like, try to talk out loud to like ease the tension. And he said it did help him. And it seemed to like it once, I don't know if they care, but once they realized he wasn't bothered, it kind of like slowed down for him. That's interesting. You know, that's something that I never really, I never really think I would have thought of to do. I mean, just to talk and be like, yo, what's up? Like, I've been waiting for you. You know, yeah, right. like, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, you thought you were going to catch me off guard, bro. I've been, I've been here and I've been waiting, you know, what's right. up? You know? <laughs> that's, and that's creative. This, this period in our lives too was so like impactful for, um, you know, my buddy who used to do it with me all the time. He actually has the, uh, what's the piece called that goes with the Ouija board. I never remember the name of it. The planchette. Sure. Um, he's got that tattooed on his hand. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it made such an impact on, on him. And like, he was so like amazed that I lived in a house where these things happened. So he got it tattooed on his hand. Yeah. And a good friend of ours who owns a tattoo company, uh, in this area actually did it for him not too long ago. And it's, it's really beautiful, but yeah, he, he sent me a picture of it. And, uh, he actually, when I met up with him, like I said, he moved to Salem, um, which is even like a cooler twist to the story because I, I mean, you think of Salem, you think of like, spookiness and like you know all that but um 
he came home and visited and he's like, can we go back to the basement? And I was like, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what a freak. <laughs> he was just begging for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he sent me a picture of a Ouija board that he found. And I was like, don't do it. <laughs> wow. All right. One more question about this story. And uh, uh, you mentioned how you would get spirit names coming through. Do you remember any of the spirit names? And if you do, do you feel comfortable saying them? I remember one that we think was a good one. And I do remember, he remembered the bad one and reminded me. And um, I don't want to say that one because I don't want to start getting activity at my new place and then have to be like, hey, thanks a lot, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I remember he used to talk to one all the time. And I believe it's it said its name was Amanda and that it was kind of like a guardian angel for him specifically. So that one only came through when he was around, because once people found out that like we were getting activity and stuff, it became like, can we come over and play at the Ouija board? And then like other people would come and I had to like, no, no, not tonight. But like me and him did it all the time. And that was the one that always came through when he was around. Okay. Gotcha. So it wasn't anything like a Zazel or something like that. No, no, nothing like that. There was a, there, there was a strange name that came through a few times. I, I, I mean, I guess it's not strange, but maybe it just gives me the goosebumps because I remember like it being a negative thing. But, um, other than that, like, I remember him saying like he would go home and feel like he wasn't alone for the rest of the night. So I don't know if something was following him. Um, but if it was, it was saying that it was good and it was, you know, there to help him. So, okay. Well, that's interesting stuff, man. Uh, now do you have anything that has happened since the Ouija board was thrown out? Uh, once we got rid of it, um, I did have some weird things happen at other places that I've lived. So, uh, I remember seeing in my apartment after that, I was watching TV and there was a long hallway. And I remember looking down the hallway and seeing a white mist that just came down the hallway, like across the ceiling. It was, it wasn't a body. It was, it was like kind of almost in a straight line, but it was like zigzagging like a snake. And it came across the ceiling and there was actually a part in the ceiling that dipped down to separate the rooms. And it actually dipped under that and came back up and went across the ceiling and out. And that was like a couple of years after I hadn't touched that thing. So I don't know what that was all about. And uh, I did see and hear um, a few things at the place that I live now, but it doesn't feel bad. Um, you know, sitting on the couch again, I could see down the hallway and I've seen something walk out of the bedroom and into the bathroom. Um, I've seen something walk out of my son's room and into the bathroom or into, you know, my bedroom and I, it just doesn't feel bad. So it never freaked me out. I just kind of look and I'm like, I definitely saw something. And then I just kind of let it go. Okay. So this thing or whatever it is, that's walking out of rooms do you attribute it to at all the mist that you were seeing, or do you think those are two separate things? Well, the mist was white and I'm kind of seeing what I'm seeing here is kind of like a grayish, but I've always assumed that white was a good thing. So like when I saw that, it didn't freak me out. It was more so amazing to me because I watched it for like 30 seconds. So I couldn't even say that like, Oh my, my mind's playing tricks on me for like for half a minute. Like, no, that's definitely not my mind because I, I watched it come down a long hallway until it went out, basically outside. And whatever this is, it's very rarely seen, but it's usually when I'm alone. And again, I'm super open to paranormal activity and experiences. And I think I'm kind of sensitive to it over the years for making myself so open to it. So it never happens when anybody else is around. It's it's always when I'm here by myself and I'm like, oh, just saw whoever that is walking from room to room again. And is it just a shadow figure or is there like a there's a it's there a body. A, okay. So it's 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 a full body apparition, yeah. Okay. And is it something that you see square on when you're looking, or is it like out of the corner of the eye kind of situation? It's always peripherals. It's never straight on. Um, at least here. I I've seen them straight on before, but not here. Here it's always like you know, just a quick, like sneak by, go into this room now. And I'm like, Oh, saw it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's something that I've had in my, uh, previous home when we had an apartment before we bought this house, it was something that I would always see something walking from my bedroom into the bathroom or bathroom into the bedroom. It was an apartment complex. 
and uh, we lived on the third floor. And I just, I would stare down the hallway waiting <laughs> and nothing, nothing, nothing. But I start watching TV out of the corner of my eye. I would see it or I would actually see its reflection. It was like, it was like a reflection uh, because we had, so my wife before, before kids, uh, before, before podcasting, she was uh, like a big time actress. I mean, she did, she, she lead role in over 30 productions. I mean, big time. Oh, and, wow. and so she had framed some of the the posters for these plays and they were in our hallway and I would see in the glass of the frames, whatever was walking between the rooms, a reflection. And, oh, wow. and I'm like, freak man i know i'm seeing this you know, <laughs> you know? uh but it would only happen you know to me there was times that she would be home and all that stuff but she would never see what i would see it was just me seeing it and um you know i don't think i, I was being targeted or anything i just i don't know i i just i would see it and it, it would freak me out sometimes you know, you just reminded me of something else that happened in the basement when you said the pictures on the wall. Um, behind the computer desk, there was a picture that uh, my dad had hung up at the time of Jesus. And it was right behind the computer, but it was like, eh, let's say five feet behind you. Well, one day I was sitting there on the computer and it hit me in the back. And I don't know how a picture could move five feet straight. Like it didn't go down to the ground. It didn't hit the ground and then hit my feet. It hit me in the back. And I was like three or four feet away from it in the computer chair. So it would have had to come off the wall and drift three to four feet toward me to hit me square in the back. And I just don't under, I can't wrap my head around it. And there's, there was no, like there was glass block windows. So nobody can say there was a breeze. And even if there was, is a breeze going to carry a picture four feet straight? Like it was just a really weird moment. And I was down there completely alone. And I remember I turned around. And like, I thought somebody had tapped me on the back and I turned around and I looked and nobody was down there. And I looked at the ground and the picture was laying there. And I was like, how did that get over here? Do you get the sense that that was a violent encounter? It freaked me out specifically for the reason that it was a picture of Jesus. And that's when I was like, is something trying to like, be like, don't hang this up. So I got up and put it right back up, but I never, that never happened again. It was one time and, um, you know, I'm spiritual, uh, fairly religious. I have a cross tattooed on my right shoulder. I always have a cross around my neck and I pray. And that was one time that that crossed my mind of, was that like trying to get my attention or was that something more? And like, looking back, I really don't know because it never happened again. And I put it right back up where it was. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, because it's a picture of Jesus, I can totally see where you're coming from that. It's just like, uh, next thing you know, you're, you're expecting to see like crucifixes flying off walls and things like that. Yeah. I mean, if, and me being the big horror movie guy that I am and always have been, my mind immediately goes there. So I'm like, oh my God, like if it was a picture of like anything else, I probably would have just been like, huh, that's weird. But because it was that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh yeah, my right. God. <laughs> that That's one of those times where you can be like, Jesus Christ. And you mean it, you know, (laughs) exactly. But you know, my, my grandmother's house always had activity too. It was just a thing. Like we had a running joke because I lived with her for a while that we had, we used to call it the bread ghost because we'd wake up in the morning and a loaf of bread would be in the middle of the kitchen for no reason on the floor. And we used to say the bread ghost came last night and he threw the the bread on the floor again. (laughs) Wow. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's like some of these experiences people have are just kind of quirky more than anything, you know? Yes. And that one, you know, nothing at her house really freaked us out. It was just like, you know, random stuff like that. And we kind of cracked jokes about it. And we used to say it was like a family member trying to get our attention or something because my, my cousin had passed away and we were like, oh, maybe, maybe Ricky's just letting us know that he uh, visited last night and he didn't know what else to do. So he slapped the bread across the room. (laughs) Maybe you never know. I, (laughs) Listen, before I forget, and before I, I don't want to forget to have you uh, shout out your content again, uh, mm-hmm. but I want to revisit the little girl you mentioned briefly. You yes. said that this little girl was in the house before the Ouija board playing and all that stuff. Other people have seen it. You've seen it. 
Mm-hmm. What what's the story there though? I mean, do you know the story? I mean, did, did, was there a little girl that died in the house before you guys, or what? As far as we know, no, because we did try and look into some of that stuff. Um, so I don't really know. And like maybe now, knowing what I know, I know that there could be um, I don't know what to call them shapeshifters. I guess is is that the proper term? I don't even know. Um, but it was that one was really scary to me. So that would really freak me out to the point where when I would come around the corner where I would normally see her, I started closing my eyes and just walking past to get to my room because I didn't want any part of that, but I had to get to my room somehow. And that the hallway light would always burn out every time we put a new light bulb in. I mean, days, it it wouldn't work. And for whatever reason, we, it's still kind of like that because my mom still lives in that house. And, um, so I would come around that corner. It was a long stretch of hallway. You'd walk past the attic and you would turn left and there would be the three bedrooms and the the half bath. And she was right there. Like maybe not every time, but enough times for me to be like, all right, I'm going to turn the corner, close my eyes. And I would put my hand on the wall on the left to slide down the wall. So I knew when I got to my room and I would go in and close the door and flip the light on before I opened my eyes. And so she was typically at the same spot all the time. Yes, she would be standing in between my room, my sister's room, and in between those rooms was the door to the bathroom. So basically in the in the opening of the bathroom. Okay. Uh, maybe it was some kind of residual energy, you know? Like I, like I told you before we started recording, I don't pretend to know anything. I just talk to people who have experiences. But uh, m- maybe it was some kind of residual energy from uh, somebody that, I don't know. Uh, but was she always wearing the same thing? And what was she wearing? Honestly, this is going to sound really cliche, but she reminded me of the girl from The Ring. If you've ever, yeah. I know you don't oh, watch yeah. a lot no, of movies, I've, but I've watched that. That I have watched. Yes, yeah, kind of like that, but smaller. She was um, younger, and come to find out, the psychic told my sister about my mom's house that there's a portal in the backyard that's being blocked right now by a tree, and if that tree ever comes down there's going to be a, a like more entities and attachments to that house because right now the tree is blocking them from getting fully in. Oh man, that's interesting. Yeah. And we like, you know, of course for years, my mom was like, we're, we're cutting that, we're trimming that that's got to come down. And now it's like, yeah, maybe we'll just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this tree, I mean, do you, do you have a sense as to when and why it was placed there? Do you think that somebody placed it there on purpose for that reason? Or do you think it's just so happened to be placed there? I think it's dumb luck. I think that it just got so big and it just hangs down over the right spot. But I think that maybe that's why there already is so many entities in the house, because there's good and bad. Uh, basically, they were told that there's angels and demons. Um, and it's... I don't know that just knowing that kind of freaks me out. Cause it's like, well, that makes sense because now it doesn't matter what happened in the house because there's a portal that's not too far away. Yep. That makes total sense. It's, ah, man, freaking portals, man. You, yeah, right. <laughs> like the Ouija board, the house, uh, seems like it's a, a portal hot spot, you know? Yeah. And it, I think it was just a random thing. I don't think anything was planned or anything, you know, went that way. It just so happened to be, Interesting. Well, listen, before we roll out of here, let's talk about you again real quick. Uh, You're Robbie Vegas, professional wrestler. Where can people find the podcast and the music? And even, shoot, if they want to come see you uh, perform, where can they do that wrestling-wise? Well, uh, so to check out the podcast, it's A-B-A-O pod on every form of social media. So just ABAO pod, you can follow us and I'm really interactive and I do a lot of updates and I'll run polls and uh, we really try to like have fun with our listeners and give them a reason to like come and hang out. Um, As far as me, Robbie underscore Vegas underscore official on Instagram. And I post um, all kinds of stuff as far as not only the podcast, but I'll post flyers when I have upcoming shows and um, I do travel with wrestling, so you never know when I'm going to pop up, um, you know, through Canada, New York, Ohio, Indiana, Vermont, uh, Michigan, doesn't matter. I, I'll pop up wherever. So I'll always be sharing those. And then my music is on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, Robbie Vegas. Uh, the EP is called Angels and Demons. Uh, and of course, I have a single out called This Way, and I will be adding more music to that as well. But uh, yeah, check me out on all those platforms and subscribe to my podcast. If you're into horror, paranormal, heavy metal, uh, rock and roll, professional wrestling, we have something for everyone. And uh, 
I really appreciate you having me on, man, because I'm a fan of your show. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you were here. And uh, it was fun talking about all the stuff you've been through, man. For me, at least. I don't know for you, but yeah. for me, it was great. <laughs> you know, it, I got goosebumps a few times. And I was like, man, you're reminding me of stuff I haven't thought about in years. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. Just share it with your friends. Text it to everybody. You all have contacts. Text everybody. Buy some stickers off the website and plaster it on people's bumpers in Walmart. I don't care how you share the show. Just share the freaking show. And friends, remember, hit YouTube up. Look up the confessionals. Hit subscribe. Help us out. Help us get past the 20,000 mark. And when we drop that documentary on the Kentucky Dogman, it will be there on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. And we're actually planning some really cool things leading up to that event. So stay tuned. And thanks for being here, friends. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, this creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of his existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns. Adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. Larping to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And these people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies. Setting aside, everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride. I better me die where the relevance lies. They're dressing alike. Reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on Hellion. Salient, alien with no melanin. I'm a Yeti hiding from Armageddon. Come and find me. I ain't even hiding. 